Hey everyone, we had some issues with the audio in this episode. It's still listenable, but it does get a little bit wonky at points. You'll hear Nick's voice get kind of low, and then all of a sudden it'll come back and it'll be good for the rest of the episode from there on out. Please bear with us while we figure out our equipment. We're still new to this stuff, um, but we should be good on this particular issue at least for the foreseeable future. Nick just got a new microphone, so... Hopefully we fix this, but uh, yeah, enjoy the episode. Welcome everyone to episode three of the Mugatoons Rapcast. My name is Curtis Brodner. I am one of your hosts. Hello everybody. My name is Nick Ice Tray the Gang Gaglio. <laughs> and I'm Nolan Slane, who doesn't have an inventive middle name to make up for myself. In the news today, Rick Ross had what seems like a heart attack. He was in the hospital and on life support for a couple of nights, um, which makes sense, but it's sad. I wish him the best. Yeah, I really thought that he was gonna, you know, like turn the, that lifestyle around because he's, he's eating healthy stuff now. He, he eats pears yeah. and shit, so. Shout out, shout out to Ross Fit. Remember when Reebok hooked him up? So they put them in CrossFit classes, but they called it CrossFit. Oh, wow. Good. <laughs> See, that's... Like, which, is, which is funny, but, like, you know, I, I just wanted to get better. That, that's the kind of better. expert wordplay that I really look for in a rapper. It's funny that in, like, a genre of hip-hop where, you know, a lot of the artists are coming from troubled areas, so we lose more of them at a younger age than I feel like you would in some other types of genres, but... <clears throat> now that it's sort of you know developed and uh, been going for such a long time you, you start to notice them getting older and being like oh yeah they're real people that are not just dying of ODing on lean they, they have real health complications at this point I mean Rick Ross isn't even that old in either in his career or in age right but he makes up for it which is all the more worrying pounds. but still the point stands yeah. all right well i just want to touch on that um a piece of news Get well soon, Rick. Get well soon, a piece of news that made me much happier was uh martin shkreli being forced to sell his wu-tang album and the carter five after going to jail for seven years or he's about to go to jail for good seven years. jail the creep yeah it's exciting I, I just want to say it, like, right here. And this is something I haven't confirmed with the other two members of the podcast, but I'm making it so right now. When Once Upon a Time in Shaolin is finally available to the people, no matter what game we're playing, no matter what we build up from last week, we are going to do that in depth. It is. Uh, yeah. Like, we are, we are going to do, devote time for that. We've waited for that. I think it's going to be bad, though. Mm, I mean, like, honestly, just based on the time it was recorded... Honestly, um, I have more of a hope for that album than the what, what the other album that Martin Shkreli was supposedly hanging Carter on five. to, the Carter Five, that apparently left Lil Wayne left it a Bugatti that somebody sold to him, <laughs> which like again jail the creep. Yeah, but Wayne's back now. Wayne is back. I mean, he wasn't back when this was recorded, but. I want, I want a real Carter 5 now. Though. For real, though. Again, I just think we need to like applaud the RZA for having this concept to begin with. Because like even before we knew Shkreli had his hands on it, this was like a, this was a, like a PR masterpiece in its own right. Well, I think that's always been RZA's true talent, um, is as a marketing force behind the Wu-Tang Clan. Uh, I don't think they would be nearly as prolific or respected. Not to say they don't deserve it, because they made really important, incredible music. But without the the shine that RZA put on the Wu Tang Clan, I don't think nearly as many people would know who they are. Yeah, that's fair. So the album this week. The album this week is chosen by Kurt. Soul Food by Goody Mob. Um, just a little background Goody Mob is a group from Atlanta they're part of 
the dungeon family, uh, which involves them, Outcast, and a team of really good producers and some other less known groups. Uh, it's four dudes, Big Gip, Timo, Cujo, and CeeLo. Uh, before he was CeeLo Green, but yeah, it's the same guy from The Voice, who wears weird outfits at award shows. Um, it is a really, uh, really dark, gritty, yeah. conscious album that deals with all sorts of social issues while maintaining a sort of a gritty veneer that I think makes it really appealing to me. The production is fantastic. It's uh, probably one of my favorite hip-hop albums. Yeah. The production just uh, comes across as, you know, the, the sort of cornerstone of what southern hip-hop was at that time uh organized noise this is like an, an entirely originally produced album right yeah it's all yeah. organized noise i believe it was um and yeah i think it just paved the way for <clears throat> so much of any other hip-hop that's coming out of that scene I think even more so than Outkast, which gets a lot of credit for molding the South. Um, but organized mob, noise molded Outkast. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But even Outkast, like, the the kind of more lyrical, um, like, fanciful style of Andre 3000 in particular, I don't think has carried over as much in Southern hip-hop. No, I, I was... First of all, surprised by like how conscious this album was, how very like you know when you hear like you know like the defining marks of a southern hip hop album, you know the things that come to mind are like um, you know just could be um, excuse me like conversation on the active. There's also like a very big emphasis on storytelling, especially with Outcast, and especially on this record as well. Um, yeah, I would agree. Um, I think some standout tracks, uh, Dirty South, which is actually the first use of the term Dirty South in hip hop ever. Which so is incredible. I, I was like noting that down as, a, as I was listening to it. It literally feels like it literally feels like a thesis statement. It feels like it feels like okay, this is the blueprint, you know. One, took the two, the three, the four. Them dirty red dogs done hit the dough and they got everybody on their hands and knees. And they ain't gonna leave until they find them kids. Now dirty Bill Clinton fronted me some weight. Told me keep two, bring him back eight. And I only brought him five and held on to three. Do you think that clapping the sickest goons on me? See Martell Holmes, that's my claim to fame. Where I learned my slickest tricks in the hustling gang, like my favorite. I call it lemon head delight. That's when you lick off all the yellow and you sell the white. Right. And it's hard to imagine it coming out at the time it did. I feel like in my listening experience, I hear the context of Southern hip hop and all the artists who have been influenced by this. And just, it's hard not to see it as a cultural touchstone, but I think when it came out, it must have been incredibly innovative because um, I think it's it really stands alone even with all the artists who have emulated it I don't think there's an album quite like this one um, and Dirty South is a great example of that also not that I think that there's any uh, particular overlay between the two or that they uh, take from each other but Cujo's style sounded almost exactly like Ghostface Killer to me. I don't know mm. if anyone else got that impression, but there were several uh, times in songs that I would you know, hear him 
come on to do a verse and i would have to go back and check to make sure that there weren't any features on it well it's interesting you mentioned that because i do kind of think of goody mob as a southern wu-tang um yeah i mean the obvious parallel is that they're both collectives although uh goody mob is much less with only four members but still like the the sound of the production just how ghostly um and like lo-fi it is uh, paired with the like universal posse cut nature of these tracks where every track you have multiple people going in on it um to the kind of themes of drugs and violence would show up occasionally but not in a way that's braggadocious or necessarily endorsing that just kind of stated as a reality surrounding these people um, i think there's a lot of wu-tang parallels i think it's um also insane that this album isn't talked about more especially in the context of Goody Mom literally outshines Andre and Dre on the respective songs that they're on. And honestly, CeeLo outshines this whole Such record. a good rapper. He, it's insane. He basically killed every track he was on. There's like, there, like he like he had like the melodic sing-song verse down, and now that's just a thing that happens. Right. Well, he has a great voice, oh, yeah. but he also just like his spitting ability his verse on goodie bag i think yeah. is one of my favorite hip-hop verses of all time end of sentence just from like the first like the first time hearing free I'm just like okay I totally understand like he was meant for like the adulation that he got in the early 2010s and like late 2000s like I feel like his career reaching this point was kind of like inescapable he was going to be a capital S singer but he was also going to ride those lines of like okay but I'm not really a hip I'm not really a rapper, but I'm also not, like, a hip-hop artist. But I'm also not, like, a soul singer. I'm not classically trained. I'm just going to kind of do me and create my own style. It's definitely a weird trajectory. Yeah. Where he ended up. Uh, I mean, do we do, do we want to talk about that? Because I feel like we have to... I feel like we yeah, kind of have to in, in, while we're talking about this album because it's a conversation that's... Happening a lot in Hollywood right now. Um, 
for those who don't know, CeeLo, and this is while he was on The Voice and he had uh, properties tied up. He had a couple of shows on uh, TBS, but he was, um, let, me, let me look this up. He was um, accused in 2013 of uh, drugging a woman. Oh, really? I didn't yeah. know about this he at was all. A, he was accused of drugging a woman, and I think he went to court for it, but after that, he tweeted out that um, it isn't rape if the victim is unconscious and can't remember it. Yeah, that's not a good look. That is not a good look. It got him off the voice. It got him, like... It basically got him, like... It, it got him, like, out of the community. He basically exiled himself, and it was at that point, it was at a career high mark, because he had Fuck You, which was like a, a, a charting top ten hit written by Bruno Mars. Um, so he disappeared, and now he only comes back in the form of a PR stunt, or a couple of PR stunts. He had the video of uh, the phone blowing up in his ear a couple of years ago, and he had the... Uh, course the uh, Grammys outfit from a while back you know it's just really important to I think take a step back and think about you know the position of this man who abused his power but who also made great art especially in the world where people are you know either walking back or completely donating the money earned from their contributions to Woody Allen films I feel like that's something that's sort of analogous to this for me right now. Again, I just think it's important to sort of take a step back and think about, you know, see if this paints the album in a different light because obviously, you know, from this album, he was set to be a superstar from the jump. And that includes like, that includes like, the again, the career path he was on was, everything where it was meant to be. His albums and singles with Timbaland, especially Gnarls Barkley. I was a massive, massive Gnarls Barkley fan. And that record is still like an incredible amalgam of like Neo Soul and like, like Williamsburg hipster music. And it, it just blended in a way that felt very natural. Apparently there's a new, um, a new Gnarls Barkley album on the way so we'll see how that happens, but I, it, it, it's just, it's just, it's a tragedy that he, you know, he did this to himself, really. And it's a tragedy yeah. that he did I mean, this to a woman. I, I'm glad it's, yeah, I'm glad it's being addressed. It, I think this is the, uh, not to get too off topic, mm -hmm. but if this is. It's a little disappointing to see that none of the other members really reached the success level that he did. I mean, I guess it's kind of expected when you have a group, you know, there's always going to be like one yeah, that uh, one or two that rise above the rest can, depending on the size of said group, but um, but not even one other rapper makes A lot of big, big Gips lines were good and he helped write like a lot of the songs um yeah i mean they're but, all you know, they're I, all great rappers yeah they're all they're all good but i had never heard of you know any of them outside of you know looking up looking them up you know before we recorded this episode other than CeeLo, um which i thought was a shame i know that they show up like all the members of Goody Mob show up every now and again as Outcast features. Really? Right. Which tracks are they on with Outcast? Um, let me More look recently. it up. I know that they're like probably like a bunch of speaker box love below deep cuts. Um, definitely early stuff too. Um, yeah, Big Gep is on uh, Tomb of the Boom with Ludacris. Um, Kujo and CeeLo are on Reset. And that's just soft love below. So again, these are now Grammy winning artists, technically.
Hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, I. It's good that you know they've gotten some accolades of, as time has gone on, but I do think it's kind of curious that they, even within the hip hop community, they don't really get the yeah. respect that I feel they deserve. Yeah. There's like a, there's basically a goody mob posse cut toward the back end of Equemini. But I, I, at the end of the day, I still think it's a really fantastic album and a fantastic cohesive statement for when, you know, at a time Southern rap was kind of a non-existent entity except for maybe like the Ghetto Boys. You know, bring it back to, um, was it the Source Awards that Outkast said the South got something to say and that's mm -hmm. all I got to say? You know, that album, I feel, is very much in line with that sentiment. For sure. All right. Up next, we have a game show, which I have ran this week because I won the last one. Uh, so both of you are going to be participating in a bad lyric off between two ostensibly good rappers. Okay. This week, we have Snoop Dogg mm -hmm. versus Dr. Dre, which I think is interesting because... Because Dr. Dre doesn't light his own lyrics. Right, and Snoop Dogg's not a very good rapper. <laughs> they're both, they're both they're bad rappers who make good rap music. Who have impeccable flows. Yeah. That's, th that but, is the selling point for either, for sure. either of those two gentlemen. Well, I mean, Dr. Dre's flow... Can't really attribute it. Hey, to him. hey, but I mean, he's, that's hey! Not, now, that's, I mean, that's kind of a, a cop out to say that you don't like any of your verses if he doesn't even write his own verses. Yeah, but this is this is for comedy, so fuck you, Nolan. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, well, I mean, also me calling Dr. Dre a better rapper—that's not a dig at him. You know, I think he belongs in the director's seat. You know, he's a producer first and foremost, and he's kind of a genius at bringing projects together. Um, you know, entire songs on uh, 2001 don't even have Dr. Dre on yeah. vocals at all. Um, yeah. He's kind of like, I, I, not to, this is probably gonna sound really dumb on the surface level, but if you're on the same page as me, this is gonna sound smart. He's basically like the OG DJ Khaled, because Khaled is Khaled is a magnificent executive producer. All right, Khaled has made. So I'm not saying every album is a masterpiece. 2001 is a masterpiece. I, I get where you're coming from. He can assemble an album of essentially just himself jumping on some posse cuts, and it'll slap. And Dre laid the blueprint blueprint for that in. 2001 and that's I think that's that accurate to say if you made the comparison to say that if Lil Jon produced as well as Dre then DJ Khaled would be the new Lil Jon I think you could say that hmm. but well I don't think you could really argue that <laughs> I I recognize that Khaled and Dre are both great producers but I I I, I give him a little bit of credit hmm. that Dre can spit DJ Khaled yeah. can't any he any vocalization on something I want I want it to stop immediately. He can, he can he's really good at yelling his own name. That's true, <laughs> and that's important. Um, anyway, <laughs> the way no, this is going to work is I'm going to say I'm going to read out a lyric from either Dr. Dre or Snoop Dogg, and you guys are going to guess who it belongs to. Okay. And I was actually surprised that a lot of these lines, it sounds like it could come from either of them. Okay. So you get a little taste of some of the worst <laughs> lines to leave these excellent musicians. And with. trust me, if, if we find out that it's Dre at any point, I'm finding out who actually wrote it. Yeah. Unless you have that as a parenthetical. I, I saw them as I was doing research, but I didn't write them down. All right. But uh, first off, we have... Never let me slip, because if I slip, then I'm slipping. <laughs> I love that. I love that so much. <laughs> oh, God. Either one of them can sell that so well. Right? 
I can hear it in both of their it's, voices in my head. Never let me slip, because if I slip, then I'm slipping. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's wisdom. That's that's Dr. Dre. Yeah, I'm agreeing with Nolan. I, I actually think I know that line. I'm, and if I'm wrong, I'm going to be kind of disappointed. All right. No, you got it. You guys are both right. Never let me slip, because if I slip, then I'm slipping. Um, okay. I think that is, that's the most famous line of all of these, which is why I thought I'd lead with it. But yeah. definitely worthy of it. Wow. <laughs> Can you uh, keep score, Nick? Uh, um, yeah. Um, let me see. Uh, oh my God, it's on nothing but a G thing. That, yeah, yeah, duh. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, none of the other ones are from songs that are as prominent as that one. But that's a really fucking stupid line. <laughs> um, yeah. So we're both at one and one. All right. Next up, we have. Laid the bitch out, then I put it in her mouth, nutted on a towel, then I passed out. Uh, Snoop. I always have trouble, like, identifying either one of these, but I, I, just as a general rule... If there isn't like a verb that somehow has the prefix "iggity," or he's not saying his own name, I feel like it's not Snoop. Well, let let me give you some insight into the game. I didn't include any lines where Snoop Dogg is talking yeah, 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 about yeah, himself because that's like most Snoop Dogg lines, and that's not particularly exciting. It's Snoop Doggy Dog and Dr. Dre are at the door. Well, well. It, both of them are at the door, so which one is it? <laughs> um, but I, I'm going to give this one to Dre again. All right, Nolan, you pull ahead. That is a Dr. Ooh. Dre line. What song? I should have written that down. Let me uh. look it up. <laughs> that is Let's Get High from 2001. Aha. Uh-huh. All right, up next, we have the line, Swish a sweet, I got you out. Lick your feet and kiss your mouth. That has to be Snoop. I'm, I'm tripling down because it's, there's going to be a Snoop at some point. One, d- I, yeah, I can uh, hear this being Snoop for sure. I feel like I've heard him talking about feet. <laughs> <laughs> So you're going with Snoop as well, uh, Nolan? Yeah, talking about kissing toes and shit like that. Yeah, yeah, I'll give it to Snoop. Yeah, you, you are both correct. That is Snoop Doggy Dog. Make your feet and kiss your mouth. Sucking fingers, kissing toes. You, yeah, I, I know. <laughs> what song is... Um, That's well, from guess... What? Oh, I'm sure that there's a bevy of fantastic Yeah, yeah, ones, there's a lot to pick from, but I only want to do one per song. Uh, that's a really, really bad song. Everyone should actually. I'll throw it in here. Give y'all a taste. Um, oh God, it's from 2010. Yeah, yeah, it's really bad. Oh no. Rap tabloids write name is light in the ass. <sighs> Uncle Snoop. What? That doesn't even make sense. The the name is either Dr. Dre or Snoop. So it's like rap tabloids write Dre is light in the ass, or rap tabloids write Snoop is light in the ass. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. The Ew. name is just to prevent you from... I'm sorry. I've, I've read more of these lyrics. <laughs> from what? More of these. Yes, from yeah. what? Yeah, it's bad. <laughs> um, you are a married so man, who's... Snoop Dogg. So, Nolan. Yeah, you're winning. Wait, Nolan. Yeah. What, who did you? Um, I, I would say Snoop Dogg. Alright, you're both wrong. Wait, wait, what is this? Oh, I missed a that's, whole thing. That's Dr. Dre. I missed the whole thing. I missed the whole question because I'm reading these fucking wet lyrics. I didn't even realize that that was a... You did say Uncle Snoop after I read the line. Yeah, sure, I don't care. I'm, I'm, I'm still perplexed. You, you, you created a perplexing game, Kurt. Uh, yeah, pay attention, Nick. Four, so it's four, it's four to three? Nolan so far has gotten. Yeah, everyone. sure. I, I was like, I think I'm up one. Yeah, I, I think Nolan's think up one. Nolan so far has gotten everyone correct. All right. Up next, 
French eyes with French fries with French thighs. Oh. <laughs> this is so fucking dumb. Um, uh, Snoop with his French braids. I'm going off very, very loose comparisons here. <laughs> um, I'm going to say Dre. Not, nah, but, mm, nah, you got me. I'm really torn. I'm really very torn. French eyes. French fry. It's French eyes. French eyes first. Then like French what you fries. It, it, it's actually French, French fries, fries and with French fries and with French thighs. Why do we? Why do we jump cut to the to the fries before we get to another body part? Yeah, I, I like to imagine <laughs> like she's eating. You know, he's watching her lips as as she munches down on some French fries. Yeah, this is insanity. Actually, no, it's eyes first. French eyes. So they lock or eyes from across the room. maybe they're getting intimate and just needed a snack break. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm... One of these things is not like the other I'm folks. also going to go Snoop on this. <laughs> All right, you're both right. That was Snoop Dogg. <laughs> he loves the ladies. What, what can I say? Wow. All right, up next, we've got... I'm moving on. Grooving on and I'm moving Making more moves than your average Cuban. Dre. Oh, man. God, it's... <laughs> who, can, who can be more, like, simple-minded in their rhyme scheme? It's... <laughs> uh, I'll say Dre. That is incorrect, the both of Whoa. you. Whoa! Snoop Dogg. I'm moving on, grooving on, and I'm moving. Making more moves than the average Cuban. Okay. I'm surprised you guys didn't get that one. I feel like that's what is it? characteristic of Snoop. What is it? What's uh, I don't know. Look it up. Oh, wait. What was it again? It was... Um... It's, uh, I'm moving on, grooving on, and I'm moving. Making more moves than your average Cuban. Just the repetition uh, of, like... Yeah, I can, I can like see it now that... with the, like... Yeah, the repetition of... Freestyle conversation. Oh, yeah. Really bad there. song. Really bad song. It's it's like he's trying also, to show like, that he has bars and doesn't need Dr. Dre to, you know, yeah. carry a song. But all he proves is he absolutely needs Dr. Dre to carry a song, <laughs> and he does not have bars. Also, just I feel like I now that I think about it, I can't really picture gangster Dr. Dre to saying the word grooving. <laughs> well, no, I, it's G Funk Doctor Dre. We yeah, have to I, I remember. think I making could... more moves than your average Cuban does sound. That sounds like Doctor Dre. That sounds like Dre. To me, at least. Anywho, up next. Also, I think it's funny that you mention uh, how you like Snoop needs Dre to carry him along because immediately after the point where where he tries to convince himself that he doesn't need uh doesn't need Dre to carry him along, he. Gets Master P to try to carry him along, and we all see how that worked out. Yeah, poorly. Yeah. Sounds bad. Um, up next, one of my favorite lines in this segment. Yes. I use crest, so ain't no cavity creeps in my grill. Dre. <laughs> that has to be Dre because I cannot... I, like, that is definitely somebody else's flow, and it is not Snoop's. <laughs> Yeah, I, what did you say again? I didn't really catch that, I'll be honest. I used Crest, so ain't no cavity creeps in my grill. What? <laughs> you, Ca- you don't ca- remember the cavity, cavity creeps? Cavity creeps are uh, little animated oh, like, like germs that live in your mouth <laughs> from Crest commercials. Yeah, it was, it's, it's a reference to an advertisement. Also, yeah. this has got to be sponsored, you know? <laughs> like... It's like such a weird. Incredibly, I, I have shut that no, out of is, my memory. No, that's that, no. I I don't think I, I I think that this is just like a '90s reference, a reference to '90s life. You right. know? Nolan, what's your answer? Uh, for uh, I'd say Dre. Yeah, you're both correct. Correct. That is, uh, Dr. Dre's keep keep their heads ringing. That is, which correct. is actually a great fucking song. Um. One interesting thing that I found going through um, this process, trying to find lines, uh, Dr. Dre has like pushed to erase this line from the internet. So they re-released 
the, a version where he doesn't say that line. What? Right? And it's the only version you can find audio of. Um, but you can s- still find remnants from like lyric sites of the original line. And then I also have a distinct memory from middle school of listening to a song and being like, that line's ridiculous. <laughs> As like an eighth grader, I, I recognize that that's, that's some goofy shit. Dre's lyrics on this song were ghostwritten by J-Flex. Yeah. Good song, though. Really good beat. Um, who's ahead right now? Uh, Nolan by one. Okay. Well. Right, five and six. I, I only have one more, so I guess we're going to call it in favor of Nolan right here. That is fine by me because I, 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 I don't have an album. I, I do want to read this last Snoop Dogg line that I have left over here. Mm-hmm. I, I should have done this one earlier because it's a real good one. Look here, baby girl. G's get lonely. You can ask all my homies. All the gang got tenderonies. Look here, baby girl. D-O-G's, we get lonely. You can ask all my homies. All D-P-G's got tenderonies. I am... <laughs> Sorry if, you know, I'm out of the loop here, but what are tenderonies? There's a Chromeo song called Tenderoni. I'm looking it up. Tenderonies. Oh, I thought that was just like the gangster way to say tendies. <laughs> give me, give me <laughs> chicken tendies. Be they crispy or from Wendy's? There's a Jesus Christ! How many? Oh, it's a have... stovetop mac. How many mac people have songs called Tenderonies? Um, there's a Bobby Brown song called Roni. There is the guy from Block Party who went solo has a song called Tenderoni. Yeah, so it's it must be like Grey Poupon, you know? A, yeah, like a Universal Food reference. That yeah, is just kind of accepted as hip hop. <laughs> Um, but why does the stovetop mac and cheese make you sensitive? Tender. Tender. I'm going to move on. Now. <laughs> 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 oh, Cassell's Dictionary of Slang, which defines tenderoni as a sweet young girl, dates the word to the oh, 1980s. Okay. So all of his homies have... You know, little flings going on mm-hmm. with. Oh, okay. Um, the word gained renowned attention when used by Bobby Brown in his hit Roni and Michael Jackson in the song PYT. Oh, fuck. I missed another really good one. So you mean you could have just untied this? Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> it's okay. It's, I got it's class too to late. Be. It's I too got, late now. I got class to be at anyway. We're all good. Um. So, uh,. I'm going to read this other line. Also a Snoop Dogg line. Mm-hmm. He, he definitely has, you know, the, the plurality mm-hmm. of... The bad ones? Yeah. Anyway. Bikinis, zucchinis, martinis, no weenies. Oh, what's that from? That's from uh, the Katy Perry song. Yeah! <laughs> Bikinis, zucchinis, martinis, no weenies, just the king and the queen. Oh. It's like... Bikinis and martinis. Uh-huh. All right. That's California. That's California. No weenies. That's corny as hell, but <laughs> okay. I guess it fits what you're talking about. Where are these zucchinis coming from, Snoop? <laughs> 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 you make a stir fry? Like... <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Nolan, do you have an album for us? Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I had been thinking since we've covered the other three areas starting starting out with like the the new york scene with um lps or rather cannibal ox and then moving to like midwest shy city with common and then back down south with this goody mob felt it appropriate to touch on the west coast um so i was thinking warren g's first album the regulate g funk era Wow! Um, I'm yeah, this is something now. that that I have not listened to in like a very long time, but I had kind of been mulling it over my head of, of what I would want to go to, and I feel like this is a uh, something good to touch on. I'm very excited for this now because this is an, another album that I have not 
ever listened to. Again, I've only listened to like four albums, but like a, being a witness to like the G funk revival of like the last few years, you hear it in artists. I guess to an extent, like Kendrick Lamar into Pimp a Butterfly, especially in YG. YG. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, why? Why? YG's uh, last couple records are fucking crazy. Also, this is just like a big. Um, this is like the big push for Nate Dog, who yeah. has provided some of like the best yeah. hooks to any rap song I've heard. Um, Definitely. So yeah, right. Nate, Nate Dog is, to me is, is just old too. school Anderson Pac. <laughs> that's a yeah, hot yeah, take. Yeah. That is a that is a take, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow! I'm I'm, I'm, I'm fuck yeah! I'm I'm really psyched for this, especially after you know putting together this game. I was listening to a lot of um, Doggy Style and a lot of The Chronic, two fantastic albums. Yeah. Um, so I'm mm. definitely definitely got my appetite whetted for some really good G funk beats. Orangey definitely has those. So, cool. All right, so we good to sign off? Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. first we gotta talk about our interview, which we have up next, and that is to be announced. This week we sat down with Oz Alone and Devin B, two MCs from upstate New York who have been holding down lyricism in Albany for over a decade. It was really nice. Um, like five, six years ago, it was like a plethora of um hip-hop um it was almost oversaturated every week every twice a week there would be shows so you kind of take it for granted and then over time the scene just crumbled and now we don't really have much all the rappers grew up and started having kids and i'd say we're some of the youngest in in that community but there's a whole new wave of rap guys where now we're the old old guys you know so there is very little of that old foundation they don't for the most part they don't give a fuck about us <laughs> like they're really doing their own thing right now they're on their own generation wave right now i remember being like 15 16 going out to see these shows that didn't happen in a place like saratoga where it was all hippie and jam music you know what i mean so mm-hmm. it was definitely an escape and at that time period the scene was very very strong very very communal and very very open-minded to new individuals so it was uh it was, you know, fifteen, sixteen. It was a whole different, whole different world. You get to see the grit and the grime of, you know, of uh, and the realism of like upstate New York, I guess. When you, when you yeah, it wasn't so indie music in Albany, you know. No, it wasn't. It was the flip, the the complete opposite. Yeah, it was Albany, like hardcore. Albany's very suck my dick. Yeah, like well, fuck you, guy. And like Saratoga's, like somebody made me suck their dick. Albany has a very punk approach to hip hop. If that makes sense, it's, it's very, like very fuckish. Drawbridge, I have nothing to offer you. Take this song, it belongs in the carpets too. Carpe diem depends on the season. Reaching for reasons, treating these lesions still oozing. Can you guys give me a rundown of your creation process from start to finish? No. Um. <laughs> yeah, I didn't mean to be so brutal about it, but like, like, no, 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 I can't. I I get into my own like weird depression. Yeah, yeah. I force Straight myself up. into a a depressive mood and and harbor that into creativity. I don't force myself. <laughs> <laughs> no, man. It's just um. It's I think a lot of people would say this. It's the kettle boiling, and you know when it whistles, you if if you feel the whistle in you. Oh, that felt really fucked up to say. But when you like when you feel the when whistle you, in you. you when you feel that fucking whistle in you and you like <laughs> you know it you, you know it's time, that's it. You know, if you don't have it in your nuts, it's not gonna come out like at all. Whistle in your nuts. Whistle in my nuts. Yeah, it's just it's <laughs> my process is kinda similar. Like I'll I'll feel inspiration coming, but there's there's time periods where I'm able to force myself into a mindset that I don't want to be in in order to harbor that creativity and become like super obsessive. But it's like the actual making the music process is is, is long and all over the place. It it won't I'll I'll remake a song three or four times before I feel like it's it's correct. It'll have the same lyrics, but each time I approach it, I approach it differently. 
like right now where I'm at is I'm in the process of finding something to inspire me. I'm I'm looking for something like a vessel. You know what I mean? So if I find a good beat, that's when I sit down and I'm like, okay, I know that what I do over this is going to be in incredible. You know what I mean? Now let's tap into that mindset. I'm on the edge of my seat, caught in a web of the seed. I need a cure, whatever the medicine be. Menacing me, sharpening teeth from all of me. It's taking all of me to audibly call out for the harmony. I patiently put pennies in the piggy. I think it was 2014, 13-ish. I had like a real existential crisis, and uh, I was extremely depressed, and I didn't want to... I had nothing to write about, and all I could write about was how I was depressed and had nothing to write about. I wrote, I've almost since that point have only exclusively written about that. Like I just found that that had to be my venue if that was all I could put out. But I stopped doing stuff for like a year. I stopped doing shows. I, I didn't write. Um, what gives me the right to like, I'm wasting air. Like what gives me the right to be up here saying how I feel? It, it felt so nonsensical. So, yeah, I almost quit. I was working on a project with Oz and uh, his brother Adrian. And it was uh, when we first started, that was going to be my last project. And uh, halfway through it, it kind of turned around. It became like my redemption project. You kind of, I, I feel like, at least with myself, there were, there were certain parts of uh, my mindset or mind state and like, you know, emotional level at that time period. And it was like opening Pandora's box a little bit. I listen back to it, and it's definitely one of those albums where it's like, holy shit. Yeah. Like, this is, like, uncomfortable for me to listen to. Like, I can't believe I was in that, that mindset. And I think after we finished the the, the the album was Catharsis, it was, like, us talking about. That's why it's called Dead Summer. You know what I mean? It's, like, dual meaning. It's, like, dead in the middle of the summer is when we started it, but it's also, like, the death of what. Like, it doesn't matter, like, what Life, your surroundings are. Like, if you have, like, an internal darkness, as corny as that sounds, like, if you, you know, essentially, like, if, if you're a little, like, rotting on the inside, it doesn't matter anything else. Left on like bed bugs, ear deaf like deaf dumb, blind to the politics behind the curtain, left swamp. Arms are still crossed, but you mix it with props, rather sit with head knocks and get sick with the shots. Look for the fangs with the slang and the pupils, play the back wall. Just what are uh, live performances like for you guys? Good. Like really good? <laughs> That's good, what it's all good. about. I don't care about writing as much. Recording, like, writing is like an end to a mean of like playing out live. Like that is, every artist will tell you that's the drug. That's the greatest feeling in the world, you know? I used to just kind of like, you know, stand around and then, now I'm like, why am I wasting my fucking time? He He was like rolling on the floor last time. Like, oh, crawling but like on in a cool way. And like, just I just I don't know. Now I'm like, <laughs> any performer they own the room at that point, and if you don't fully own the room, like it's it's not even worth it. I want to have the most energy. I want you to remember us. Um, I want to give you the the biggest show that I'm I'm capable yeah. of giving you. Yeah, I mm -hmm. mean, I, I want I want it to be a show, not like a recital. Like, if you're just going to yep. go and play the same songs, the same way you recorded them, the same way you've performed them other times, what's going to make anyone remember that? It it took me a while. I was afraid. I, I, I would Jim Morrison, essentially. like He used to wear sunglasses, sunglasses. every show. I, I didn't want to look at anyone's face, you know. I didn't want to see anyone's reaction. And... uh I don't know. I, I the only way I stepped it up was because I I didn't want to waste people's time. I got tired of wasting people's time. That was Devin B and Oz alone live. In the video, Oz is wearing a velvet maroon shirt with a gold chain and a beer in his hand. Devin's in all black. They're pushed up on the cramped stage so that they're practically in the audience. When I asked what they thought of music today, their opinion was bleak but hopeful. I don't want to be so cliche and be like, it's fucking terrible, it's horrible, but it's fucking terrible and it's horrible. Um, there's always going to be a few four-leaf clovers in that field, you know, but uh, the, the standard has been lowered and um, it's the... The craft is not as respected by the artist and the audience. I think it's still there. People still make 
make good shit every day. There's 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 somebody in each town. You know what making I mean? Amazing stuff. Making amazing stuff and doing what we're doing here. Leaving glances of myself behind like landmines. Hands high, so pain of mine for the grand design. Panic, fine. Stand silent and anodyne. I'm just trying to transcribe what mankind can't define. I, I, I don't see it all in high resolution, but it's not that void. Proof of evolution, forever frozen and Polaroid. I'll picture it. It's plain as day. Greetings and salutations. Make sure to check out Devin B. and Oz Alone's music on Bandcamp. Musical interstitials haven't won you over already. You should probably stop listening to the podcast. It's good music. Hang on. Dank memers everywhere shit their pants. I'm going to send this to wait, you. We, no have to we have to record some emergency. <laughs> no wee, wee. No Red no alert. No we have an no emergency no news no piece. No <laughs> okay, Oh my god. <laughs> All right. Att- attention podcast listeners. We interrupt your regularly scheduled program with an emergency news flash. Death Grips has announced that they're working on new music with the director of Shrek. Shrek. <laughs> Oh, fuck. Okay. <laughs> if there's not an all-star cover on this album, I'm going to be so fucking heated. No, they're, they're, they're just going to do what they did with Bjork, but for the Shrek soundtrack. <laughs> they're just going to take little pieces of Smash Mouth and yeah. just drop it off. I, I hope this is, I hope he really has like a firm appearance in here, because I know they released that album, they did like an interview with some guy who's a famous interviewer, yeah. and it, Instead of actually releasing the interview, they just had the footage of the interview and then, mm-hmm. like, new music over it. So I could definitely see them doing something where it's like, mm-hmm. you know, they're memeing on the memers. But I really want this to come out in full force. God. Oh. My. God. Okay. I'm, okay. I'm so, glad we... Uh, Shrek Grips coming soon. Shrek Grips! Thank you for listening. <laughs> My name is Curtis Broadnick. Gotcha. This has been the last episode <laughs> of Movie Teens Rapcast. You can catch me on Twitter at Curtis Broadner. My name is Nick Gaglio. You can find me on Twitter at Nick Likes Things, on Instagram at I Wish Prince Was Still Alive, all one word. You can find the writings of both of us online at thepurchasebeat.com. We got some special new profiles coming up as our print issue fast yeah, approaches. They're gonna be good. We've worked our ass off on these things, so read them. And I'm Nolan Slane, and you can't find me anywhere. I'm going off the grid. Ooh, it's lit. All right. One last thing. Uh, oh. Uh, eternal shouts out to SVUVN. Always. Always for the interstitial music and theme song. He, uh, my friend Max made them, and he's the best person, is going to be the best man at my wedding someday. All right. Shrek rips.